celebrating the sounds of Memphis for 21 years, welcome to another episode of Bill Street Caravan. Heard around the globe on NPR Worldwide, major funding for Bill Street Caravan is provided by the AutoZone Corporation. AutoZone, parts are just part of what we do. Hi, I'm your co-host, Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Kevin Cubbins. This week on Beale Street Caravan, we have the one and only Super Chicken on the program with us. So get ready for an hour of Mississippi Juke Joint Blues. Writer Preston Lauterbach will also join us to guide us through another installment of the Chitlin Circuit and the Road to Rock and Roll. That's all coming up right now on Beale Street Caravan. It's deep-fried, electrified Delta Blues, following in the footsteps of legends like Big Jack Johnson and Arl Burnside. Super Chicken has become the go-to man for edgy, raw, and unfiltered blues. The Clarksdale, Mississippi native is the real deal. His real name is James Johnson. He's actually Big Jack Johnson's nephew. Growing up on a farm in the Delta, his family dubbed him Chicken Boy because he loved playing with the chickens, and they were like pets to him. Later in life, when Johnson decided to follow his musical dreams, he dropped that name and adopted the moniker of Super Chicken. None of that makes a whole lot of sense, we know, but it's awesome, trust us. And Super Chicken is nothing if not awesome. And over the past two decades, he has emerged as an international blues superstar. People can't get enough of that raw Mississippi sound. We caught up with Super Chicken at the Bonafide Blues Fest here in Memphis during Bridging the Blues a weeks-long celebration of the sounds and culture of Memphis and the Delta region held every fall. Here's Super Chicken live on Beale Street Caravan.
jail And Mr. Tyler Ray's hail Well, my mama went to jail And Mr. Tyler Ray's hail We had to work all summer Just to pay my papa's bill We made a bill last summer Down at the general store We made a bill last summer
guess what we're gonna do? We're gonna take this thing back to 1965. Like they did in that old one-room shack back in the woods. Lala, you wanna go back to 65? Is that all right with everybody? Let's take it back home. Here's more from Super Chicken, live on Beale Street Caravan.
That's the Delta's first blues instrument. They used to boogie all night. That was Super Chicken, live on Bill Street Caravan. We'll be back with more from Super Chicken, but right now we're going to turn it over to Bill Street Caravan contributor Preston Lauterbach as he continues his series, The Chitlin Circuit and The Road to Rock and Roll. There are plenty of birth of rock and roll theories out there, who fathered it and where it was born. But the music that came to be known as rock and roll didn't arrive fully formed, it evolved. And a key aspect of that evolution occurred on the Chitlin Circuit during World War II. While artists like Joe Turner, Wynoni Harris, Amos Milburn, and Cecil Gant, whose We're Gonna Rock you're hearing now, were crucial in black pop music's change from big band jazz to small combo blues, the key transitional figure was an Arkansas-born saxophonist named Louis Jordan. And the story of his rise to stardom brings attention to an important segment of Chitlin Circuit entrepreneurs, the Kingpins. They ran the numbers games, bootlegging rackets, prostitution rings, and nightclubs throughout black America during World War II. They financed and developed new bands and promoted the hot touring acts, most of which were blocked, segregated from becoming popular in mainstream music or entertaining in the posh white clubs. This made the kingpins the most powerful force in the black music business. They decided what fans wanted and gave it to them. Throughout the 30s and early 40s, big band was what the people wanted. Black pop was all about the great band leaders, Duke Ellington, Count Basie, Cap Calloway, Jimmy Lunsford. And new acts that came along had to follow that format. 15 to 18 pieces, arrangers, reed and horn sections, featured soloists, and a vocalist thrown in as a sideshow. But right around the time Japan bombed Pearl Harbor, this little song got hot. I like cake and no mistake, but baby, if you insist, I'll cut out cake just for your sake. Baby, come on and knock me a kiss. That's Louis Jordan and his Timpani Five with Knock Me a Kiss from November 1941. Now, Louis Jordan recorded with five pieces which was a major change from the big bands which had dominated the scene up to that point. Now, while this song was popular, this was before records were really considered the moneymaker in black music. So the road, the Chitlin Circuit, is where black acts made their dollars. And Louis Jordan needed help to build on the success of that record. And this brings us back to the Kingpin. See, Jordan had no track record as an attraction. He was a cabaret entertainer in Cedar Rapids at the time that Knock Me a Kiss came out, meaning that promoting one of his shows was a big risk. The Kingpins paid all the overhead on the circuit. They rented the hall, they paid the band's guarantee and advertised the show, and this led to conservative decision-making. The Kingpins wanted to showcase a sure thing and make money. There was no incentive to gamble, at least on unproven acts. So on the other side of the equation, Jordan and his manager Burl Adams needed to prove that Jordan could draw before getting an opportunity at the top venues for black performers up north in theaters like the Apollo. And so they found a promoter down south with the right combination of cash and vision to see that Jordan could be a big draw. Don Roby epitomized the Chitlin Circuit kingpin. He believed that his biracial heritage had given him the best qualities of both colors. His credo was, I'm a white man and a black man. I can outsmart you and kick your... 
He did a lot of both over his four-decade-long career, always finding himself on the right side of the latest trend. And if Louis Jordan was the cutting edge of black music in 1942, Don Roby was swinging the knife. He'd owned joints and promoted dances in Houston, Texas since the mid-30s. Since then, he'd developed a territory that stretched from his home base of Houston all the way over to New Orleans. So he would buy 10 dates for a band and give concerts in a different town throughout that territory every night. He sent what he called a leg man out with these bands to collect the money on the road and send it back to him. He controlled the print media in Houston, so publicity was never a problem. And this is exactly what Louis Jordan was looking for. So Roby took the risk on Jordan, and it paid off in the summer of 1942. Roby showcased Jordan to packed houses in Houston, Galveston, Little Rock, and New Orleans. The people literally went wild. In New Orleans, where Jordan played the Rhythm Club, a newspaper report afterwards said, quote, several persons who went to the dance emphatically called the affair a wild, drunken orgy. Meanwhile, Jordan's manager filled the entertainment press with enthusiastic reports of Jordan's impressive gate receipts. And the ploy worked. Jordan was booked at Chicago's Regal Theater and sold it out three months to the day after Roby debuted Jordan in Houston. From there, a trend followed. Billboard magazine noted, quote, Jordan's unusually good business may lead to other tours for five and six piece outfits. In fall 1942, economic and cultural trends united to bring new style to black pop. The war meant gas rationing, rubber rationing, and a ban on bus travel, all of which conspired against big band road touring. On the other hand, the war led to a true economic boom in black America, where defense jobs led to unprecedented wealth. Nightclubs opened up in record numbers throughout black America and needed someone on stage. So the cultural component was Louis Jordan's popularity. He introduced a new model, the small combo, that emphasized the vocalist. They traveled cheaper and cost less, which the kingpins all loved, and they were new and different, which the people were ready for after decades of big band. As one former big band singer put it, he was playing with five pieces just as good and loud with five as we were with 17, and it was cheaper. With the bands in the 30s, the band singer was like the porter. The singer had to set up the bandstand. The singer, he wasn't the attraction in those days, but it done changed. Jordan changed the way black musicians approached their craft, and Fats Domino, Wynoni Harris, Chuck Berry, and Little Richard all acknowledge him as their top influence. James Brown, he simply said, Louis Jordan was everything. Though you might not hear fully formed rock and roll in Louis Jordan, he made the small band the dominant format and the vocalist the key attraction. Two basic changes from the big band era that set the stage for rock and roll. We'll go out listening to Louis Jordan sing Saturday Night Fish Fry, a rockin' number from 1949. For Beale Street Caravan, this is Preston Lauterbach, author of The Chitlin Circuit and The Road to Rock and Roll. In the sea, but don't ever mention a fish to me. It was rocking. We want to remind our listeners you can find Bill Street Caravan on all the social media outlets. Go to our website at BillStreetCaravan.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter to find out where the caravan is going to be next. You can also keep up with Bill Street Caravan via our podcast that's available through iTunes. We have to take a quick break for local announcements, but stick around. There's a lot more music to come. You're listening to The Sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan.
AutoZone is proud to support Bill Street Caravan and other arts organizations that strengthen the greater Memphis community. Parts are just part of what we do. AutoZone.com. Bill Street Caravan is also supported by awards from the Memphis Convention and Visitors Bureau, the Tennessee Arts Commission, Arts Memphis, and Tennessee Tourism. TennesseeVacation.com. The soundtrack of America was made in Tennessee. We're back and we're with electrified Delta bluesman, Super Chicken. He's one of the greatest personalities in the blues world today, and we were really lucky to be able to sit down with him and catch up at the Bonafide Blues Fest here in Memphis during Breaching the Blues. Here's what Super Chicken had to tell us. We are here with Super Chicken. I feel like I should say it like that. <laughs> so it's been a while since I've seen you, and you've been all over the world. What you been doing? I've been doing just that, flying like a, a, a head with his chicken off from one place to the other one, playing the blues, keeping the uh, Delta alive, man. You know, I'm one of the last of the originals, and I'm trying to keep it alive because it's changing fast. Well, talk, talk a little bit about changing fast. Well, it's the, 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 the original Delta sound is uh, it's hard to keep alive because we got young people coming up with these, uh, what we call them, uh, sonic fast fingers. <laughs> <laughs> and they're skipping over the good part of it. Yeah. You know, because uh, they're so fast. But now there's nothing wrong with their playing. They're great musicians. But they, um, well, you know, I'm just old-fashioned. I think they you know, if you start out with something, you could you keep your roots alive. And, uh, you know, we want to keep the roots alive because the blues will never die. We got some strong musicians coming up out there now. and I mean, fantastic players. And I just like to keep the old Delta style alive. There's nothing wrong with what they're doing. So do you have any artists that you've sort of taken under your wing? You've been working with some of these new these new Turks. Well, I, you know, that kind of reminds me you said take under your wing. It's kind of like uh, the mama hen when the uh, every generation changes. The younger hens, when they have babies, it's kind of hard to keep them under their wings now because they're, they're, they're so busy exploring and ripping and running that you can't keep them under your wings. But... Uh, well, I, I got them all under my wing, whether they know it or not, you know. <laughs> Just keeping uh, watching them uh, grow and expand. Well, for you, you've been around blues music your entire life. At a family affair, it was always just a long afternoon away before somebody picked up a guitar and started playing. And for you, it's so much a part of your life, being a musician and going out there and putting on a show and doing this as a profession when it was just part of who you were, part of your culture, part of your family life. What's the difference between the two? Well, you gotta remember where you come from because you never know where you're going. And uh, it's from where I come from and where I started out playing the old diddly bow. And what I'm able to do now makes me proud and uh, proud of the blues. And I, and I, and I kind of stuck in my old ways, which the young folks call old fogey style, you know, but the old fogey style is where you come from. So you got to remember your roots. And uh, I stay stuck there. But it's, it's, it's fantastic. It's amazing with all of the things I do see and experience in the music business. And from where I come from, never thought I'd see what I've seen. You know, you put on a dynamic show and you never allow the audience to be you know, their eyes are gonna be on you the entire show, no matter what you're doing. And so, how do you keep that energy level up? Well, I'm about entertainment. 
you know, coming up in my days. I watch entertain, and I say, well, that's what I want to do. I want to go out and entertain these people. You know, I don't want to make them sad, because you can stay at home and be sad and bored. But if you come out to hear live music, you want to be entertained. Entertainment is what it's all about, and entertaining is what I do. What is the thing for you that, at the end of the day, you're most proud of, that means the most from everything you've been able to do? Well, let's put it like this. I started out with nothing and still got 90% of it left. <laughs> and the older I get, the better I was. <laughs> it's all great. It's all good. I'm, the, I'm, I'm just making the best of it and doing the best I can to keep the old Delta style alive. But at the same time, I, I'm writing new songs all the time. But they've got Delta fever in them, so... I think my next album, I'll try to do something a little different. Well, how do you write songs now and make them contemporary and make them relevant to what people are going through now? You write about what you know about and what you think people can relate to. You can't just go there and just think of something out of the wild blue that don't make any sense and write it because they can't relate to it. But as long as you got something there that people can relate to, then they're going to listen to your song and then they hear your music. So what is your songwriting process? How do you how do you come out with a new song? Oh, that's hard to hard to say. I you know, I listen to my own music. I don't listen to other music because you know how a tune gets stuck in your head and every time you try to write a play, that same tune comes out of you. So I listen to my music off a distance to where I can't recognize it, but I can hear it, but I can't recognize which song it is. And I can hear something different every time. I hear a different beat. And by hearing a different beat, uh, I, I, I get a, a new idea for words. Then I got to come up with new words, and I got to come up with a subject that you can, to, to form those words around, something that you can relate to. And uh, first coming up with new beats, I was told when I recorded my first album, they said uh, all of the bass lines that you could ever come up with already been recorded. But when I re released my album, they said, hey, this guy's got new riffs. <laughs> Because I'm left-handed, left-eyed, left-legged, left-minded, and left out. Everything is to the left, you know. <laughs> so yeah, everybody's looking straight ahead and to the right. Nobody looks to the left anymore. And I come out of left field on you. Whenever you're playing someplace else, do you think that you're channeling the feel of the Delta through the music? Uh, yes, because when I'm uh, not in this country, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for it, and they're feeling for it. And they, uh, they're a pretty good judge of characters because they can look at you and tell you if you're coming from the heart or not. And that's where I come from all the time. I come from the heart, sometimes from the shoulder, but I'm coming out of Mississippi every time. Well, that's one of the characteristics that makes the music down here so special. If you put on airs, you're sort of kicked out. Nobody wants to see that. They want the real you, the real thing, the real deal up on stage. That's right. And you get nothing but some straight up chicken right here. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for stopping in and talking with us. So we're going to go back to Super Chicken at the Mighty Mississippi Music Festival. Here's more from Super Chicken live on Bill Street Caravan.
look, boy. I used to try to yodel like them white folks. My mama said, baby, you better quit hollering like that. She said, I'm broke, my think you a coyote, huh? She said, mama, I can yodel like Roy Acuff, Gene Audrey, and Roy Roger, too. She said, you better be careful. They might do something to you. I decided I yodel from my mama in the house. Yodelay, 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 My mama said, Lord, have mercy, baby. She said, if I had a gun, I'd shoot you myself. Shoot.
ticket. Look, 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 look. Down the road I go. You're listening to the sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. Here's more from Super Chicken, live on Bill Street Caravan.
no bone. Somebody shoot that thing. That was Super Chicken live on Bill Street Caravan. To find out more about him, go to superchicken.com. That's C-H-I-K-A-N. Super Chicken is on the road, so take a look at his tour dates and see when he's coming to your area. And don't miss next year's Bonafide Blues Fest. You can find out more info by going to memphisbluesociety.com. To find out more about Bridging the Blues, just go to bridgingtheblues.com or look them up on Facebook. If you love music and you love to travel, then come to Memphis and the Mississippi Delta. Walk down Beale Street, take in a show in a juke joint, experience the sights and sounds in person, see where the music was born and continues to thrive. Special thanks to our supporters, AutoZone, the Memphis Convention and Visitors Bureau, Arts Memphis, the Tennessee Arts Commission, Tennessee Tourism, and Bridging the Blues for their support in making Bill Street Caravan possible. We'd like to remind our listeners to please show your support for public broadcasting. You're just not going to find programming like this anywhere else. We want to remind our listeners that you can find Bill Street Caravan on all the social media outlets. Do you love Memphis music? Tell us why and use hashtag IListenToMemphis. Or keep up with us on our podcast at iTunes. Visit our website at BillStreetCaravan.com to sign up for our monthly newsletter. You can find out where the caravan's going to be next. And if you can't meet us there, we'll be back right here next week, so we'll see you then. I'm Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Kevin Cubbins. You've been listening to the sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. Mm-hmm.